0: Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York Podcast, and remember these words, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Let's jump into the lesson.
1: We are slowly but surely wrapping up our series uh, with the title of The Mind, The Arena of Faith, and it is authored by our very own apostle, Frederick Casey Price. And the last time that we were together, we were talking about the fact that our Heavenly Father has no desire whatsoever to control our thoughts. That's not what he designed us to do. He does not control our thoughts. Um, And we talked about how are we going to make sure we're paying attention really paying attention to our thought life. And we know that all of it is truly based upon our knowledge of the Word of God because that is our what? It's our armor. The armor of the armor which is the Bible which is the word the knowledge of God that is our armor there's no ifs ands or buts about that so we talked about what do we have to do since we know that and we read in scripture that we have to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and that sounds good and it makes sense but exactly how do we do that that was what we really wanted to break down so We take the word of God and whenever a thought, idea, or suggestion comes, which comes all the time as we're living, we take it and we set it up against the word of God and see if it is square. See, in other words, if it makes sense in line with the word, not sense based upon our thought life. And I don't have to argue with someone. For example, if I were to say to you, I want to measure a yard, and I use a yardstick. I don't have to get into an argument with you over from here to here is a yard. All I have to do is take a yardstick, measure it, and it becomes clear. we need to get to a point where we can be that way when it comes to our belief system with the Word of God. You don't have to sit down with a different denomination and get into an argument with them over whether you know Jehovah Witnesses may believe certain things, Episcopalian, you know, the list goes on. You don't have to argue with them. Your rule book or your yardstick so to speak, is the word of God. If it's in the word of God, that's it. That's the truth. There's nothing for you to have to get into any kind of argument or anything else over that. Um, And we need to kind of Keep it that simple. You know, I like to use the acronym KISS, keep it simple saints. Sometimes I think we go overboard and we try to make things more complicated than we really have to do. And then sometimes we just overshoot things because we think we're just so wise and we know. Um, For instance, like say for instance, you, I mean none of us here are under 16. Okay, so I would think most of us here kind of like know how to boil an egg or, you know, we can make our way around the kitchen. We may not be gourmet chefs or anything, but you know, you know how to kind of make things work. Why I pick boiling egg, I don't know, but it is an interesting concept because a lot of people have challenges with boiling eggs. Sometimes they boil them and then the peel doesn't come off so nice and then it looks like a mess and you know, and they feel like I can do that. Anybody can boil an egg. I don't need to you know, get a a cookbook for that. Yet and still, they might still boil those eggs and they still come up messed up. Whereas if they took the time to do what? Read the cookbook, they may find that there's a specific procedure that you need to follow so that the eggs come out and the shells just release easily. And that can be said for a lot of things. You know, you may buy something, a new appliance, and you know, come on, how difficult could something be? If I buy a flat iron, it's a flat iron. If I plug it in, it ought to work but they now make flat irons that have treatments in them which don't work quite the same way. So if you just go ahead and do what you've been doing all this time, it won't serve you so well. So you have to do what? Go read the directions and find out that even though your intent was to use it and and get good use out of it, you weren't because you didn't take time to read the directions. Um, And then of course we can talk about things like Uh, men who are very purposeful. So if you give them something like, um, I want you to put together this, I don't know, say you go to Ikea, because they're known for you get all these wonderful pieces of furniture, but you have to put them together. So, you know, you give them a bookshelf, something simple. Oh, they've seen that. They can do it. And then all of a sudden, at the end, they have like a handful of screws, and they can't figure out why. Mmm, maybe if you just take a little time and read the directions, you kind of find out where those extra screws are supposed to go. And I love it because I still, and I, I think I shared this with you before, I believe wholeheartedly that the GPS system was created for our wonderful men. Because I remember before GPS system, you know, before its existent, Existence, I could tell you both of my sons as well as my husband would ride around the same area over and over and over just telling me they knew exactly where they were going and they really did not, but they weren't going to stop and ask for directions. I've got this! Meanwhile, you know, whereas GPS kind of helps them even though that can be kind of comical because sometimes they're not updated and then we go back to the same thing. But either way, we have to have a road map, we have to have something that we follow and the good news is we as believers have that in the Bible and we just need to just go ahead and understand that. Um, because if not, we could just be going ahead doing things and we're not getting God's best out of it. It's not his fault, it's because we, haven't read the directions um, and if we do guess what our lives will just flow as he intended and just roll along perfectly and that's what we want. Now what I would like for you to do is turn with me to Philippians 4 verse 8. Now this is a verse of scripture that many of us know and many of us quote quote it. you might quote the whole verse, part of the verse. We're gonna look at it in three different translations And we're doing it for a specific reason. So when you're there, just let me know you're there by saying amen. Amen. Okay, great. So we're going to look at the New King James Version first, because I'm sure that's the one that most of you have. And it says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We've all heard and read this, correct? Okay, if we look at it in the easy to read, it says, brothers and sisters, continue to think about what is good and worthy of praise. Think about what is true and honorable and right and pure and beautiful and respected. And then Philippians, if we look at it in the Message Bible, does it a little different. It says it this way, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Really, really nice. Now, we already have established that God's not trying to control our thinking. He's trying to give us, however, some guidelines so that we'll know what to think about instead of all the garbage (laughs) that's totally out there everywhere and also all the garbage that sometimes we have and the trouble that we've had in the past. We have to change our thought life because that's exactly where the enemy comes in. In other words you have to on a continuous basis adjust your thinking. Now we just read in Philippians 4:8. Here's the key, and I don't think everybody's always looked at it this, this way. I know I did not, so maybe you all did, but I don't think everybody did. <clears throat> he gave us specifically eight things to think on. Okay, when you go back through these verses, he gave you eight things to think on. But here's what we've got to understand about that. Before you can think on anything, it has to encompass all eight of those things mentioned. Now you may ask why. Here's why. Because there are things that are true, but they're not lovely, okay? A thing can be true and not noble. For example, it can be true that a man ran off with another man's wife. But that's not pure, though it did happen, okay? It's not a good report. So now you're thinking, okay, do I have to do all that? (laughs) I mean, I mean, eight things. Do I have to take all the time to think about all of that? No, you don't. You don't have to. But what I can say to you unequivocally is that's what God said for us to do. But you don't have to do it. You can wait until your head is in a really, you can almost wait until your head is in a noose or you put yourself in a really bad situation and then you can start trying to do it but isn't that kind of like after the fact? He's given us specific instructions on what to do. What we need to do, this is a perfect example to me of not taking the word down to our level but of us elevating ourselves up to the words level. We need to do what the word of God says not what is convenient for us. But that, again, is everybody's choice. You totally have the choice to do what you choose because the great news is God has given us a free will. So it's up to you. But I still think, and I think you would agree, that it's better to take time to think as God wants us to because it keeps us out of a heap of trouble if we do that. Now what I'm gonna ask you to do is turn with me to Revelation 20. We had looked at this a little bit before, but I want us to look at some of the most awesome revelations that happen to be found in these verses of scripture. Revelation 20, and we're going to look at verses 2 and 3. And I'm going to read it to you first out of, let's see, I'll read it first out of the easy to read. And it says, the angel grabbed the dragon, that old snake, also known as the devil or Satan. The angel tied the dragon with the chain for 1,000 years. Then the angel threw the dragon into the bottomless pit and closed it. The angel locked it over the dragon. The angel did this so that the dragon could not trick the people of the earth until the 1,000 years were ended. After 1,000 years, the dragon must be made free for a short time time. If we look at it in the Amplified, you know, the one with all the qualifiers, it says, and he overpowered and laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, qualifier of primeval times, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him, qualifier, securely for a thousand years, a millennium. And the angel hurled him into the abyss and closed it and sealed it above him preventing his escape or rescue so that he would no longer deceive and seduce the nations until the thousand years were at an end. After these things, he must be liberated for a short time. Excuse me, if we look at it in the message, it says, I saw an angel descending out of heaven. He carried the key to the abyss on a chain, a huge chain. He grabbed the dragon, that old snake, the very devil, Satan himself, chained him up for a thousand years, dumped him into the abyss, slammed it shut, and sealed it tight. No more trouble out of him, deceiving the nations until the thousand years are up. After that, he has to be let loose, briefly. Now notice that it says, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. That specifically says what? It's implying that he's coming back. And it's also implying that when he comes back, what is his game plan gonna be? It's the same as before he went, right, to to deceive. And how does he do it? We already know how. Through thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Notice here that the phrase that said to deceive the nations no more However, also, just like, and this is something that we've learned from the apostle and I love this, you can look at what it says, but look at what it doesn't say. You have to look at both. So, notice what it doesn't say. It does not say that he would not cause divorce for people anymore, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that he would not cause teens to rebel against their parents. And I don't know if you've ever had teenagers but they are in a special place in time. And sometimes the sweetest of children, they just—they go through something sometimes in their teens. Well, it doesn't say that's not gonna happen. It doesn't say that he would not cause husbands and wives to fight and squabble anymore. But it said deceive. Now why didn't it say something about these other things? Don't these other things happen? Okay, well if you've lived long enough, you know that they do because yes, husbands sometimes do mistreat their wives and wives sometimes do mistreat their husbands. Parents mistreat their children and children can certainly sometimes mistreat their parents. But why didn't it say that? You know why? Because the root cause of all of these outcomes is an unmaintained and undisciplined thought life. Divorce starts with something very specific. It starts with a thought. (laughs) I thought you said you loved her, or I thought you said you loved him. Now, all of a sudden, you don't love her, you don't love him. Divorce starts with a thought. To give you an example, because I like to use things that are practical. There are a lot of things that we do on a regular basis that we really don't think that much of. Okay, We just kind of like go along with the flow and we don't think about it. An example is punctuality. Now, punctuality has its exceptions. Tonight was a perfect example. Instead of it taking me three hours to get here, took me four hours and I was praying to get through the door. Okay, I know. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Now, I'm gonna share with you how this can sometimes if, if I don't garner the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, how it could really get to me. And I'm sure for other people too. You know how, has, has anyone heard the expression CP time? Oh, you, oh! Yeah, everybody's heard that, right? Okay, where it means people of color, for those of you who haven't heard it, it means people of color usually have their own clock. So in other words, if you tell them they're supposed to be somewhere at eight o'clock, they may show up, you know, 8.35, nine o'clock, whenever, and it's called CP time. It's like a way of saying they're never going to be on time. And it's, <laughs> that's, to me, I compute, CP time or just deciding to be late a decision and for me it's really hard because I feel as if we're not operating in X. Now this is my opinion. Note Iva's opinion, write that in your notes. This is my opinion. This is not a verse of scripture. This is totally my opinion. But in my opinion, when we choose not to be on time, we are choosing not to operate in excellence because I kind of look at it like when I say father I need this and that or I need so and so I don't want to hear him telling me I'm gonna do it on CP time and get to it whenever (laughs) I'm expecting that he's going to do it then (laughs) so for me Thursdays 12 o'clock is when I have to shut off my business okay to be here because I look at it like 12 o'clock I gotta start preparing to get into the city today I don't know what was going on for real in the sense that we went South Shore, North Shore every kind of way and it still took like more time than it ever normally takes so there are gonna be exceptions and I get that I'm a perfect example of yeah okay there's an exception but the commitment is there because I love all of you, so I wanna be here and do my best for you as God allows me to do, because I make myself available. But it grieves the Holy Spirit, and it grieves me too. Sometimes when you see people who are just, habitually late all the time. It's just like their way of doing it. And I understand, because you guys understand, the train sometimes can be crazy too. So sometimes something could be happening with that, so people are gonna be late. Okay, we get that. But you also know, when you see people, like this Sunday is gonna be Communion Sunday. We only have that once a month. So you kinda would think you wanna come on time so that you can participate in the Lord's Supper. But there are some people bless their hearts will show up 10 minutes before the word is finished and you know you have to be careful Because the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions come into your head where you want to sit there and start judging them. Like, what the heck did you come for? Why did you just stay home? But we don't know their life. We don't know what their situation is. So you have to garner yourself. Guard yourself. Don't allow those thoughts, ideas, and suggestions to come in in a negative way. Rather look at it like, I'm going to pray for them. So that next time next month perhaps they'll be here in time for communion. Now it may go on because there's some people I'm still praying for and it's been over a year and it still kind of happens but I'm believing that God I know he still sits on the throne so something will occur that the light bulb will go off that perhaps they will be able to come on time but I just hope that we can look at it in terms of when we do things in a timely manner and it doesn't matter how far you live. I live far. It doesn't matter. It's a commitment that I've made and I try with every fiber in my being to be here on time because of my love for you but more importantly, because of my love for the Most High God whom I serve. And I just kind of think we should look at things sometimes a little different. And I don't think we always do that. But anyway, that's why we're here, so that we can kind of, you know, shed some light on different things. Because when you really think about it the same way you have to figure out whatever you have to do to be on time, you really are figuring out whatever it is that you have to do to be late. So it's just a matter, it's a choice. Which one do you want to be, on time or do you want to be late? So it's just, it's one of those things to think about because we really, in a way, are taking advantage of our Heavenly Father when we habitually decide to be late. We just are like, eh, we're kind of like shuffling him off and just, I'll get there when I get there. Anyway, it's just something else to think about. But definitely when you see that happen with people... Hold on to those thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Don't judge them, just pray for them because you never know what it is that they may be walking through at the time. So we know that warfare is definitely in our mind. And we know that our mind is where we win or where we lose. That's the arena in which the battle for this whole entire, everything that we go through, the entire battle is fought. In our mind. And Satan is unrelenting. That's why we've got to make sure we are staying sharp on our game 24-7-365. We cannot stop. We have got to be on it. Now, here's the thing: the reason you also have to you have to stay sharp, you have to have the eye of the tiger every minute, or you're going to go under because we're gonna constantly be under bombardment from the enemy. But here's something. I can relate it to contractions. You have to forgive me for the men, they're totally not gonna understand this. But I love the fact that even when a woman is in hard labor, God has blessed her with timing. In the sense that no contraction just lasts forever. He gives you a break, okay? It's sort of like in music a crescendo where it starts out real slow and then it peaks where it's like ooh, but then you come right back down slow. And he gives you like 90 seconds, like a minute and a half to kind of recoup, catch your breath and then you may start all over again. But the point is the timing is there. Well, for us as believers, None, understand, we're always gonna go through different battles. The great news is we always win if we use our armor, okay? But you will have what I call peacetime, which might be almost like that 90 seconds where you're not in the midst of a major battle, The mistake that many Christians make in peacetime is they just totally relax and say, oh, nothing's going on. That's the time to really feed upon the word. Feed upon it because you've got double time because you're not necessarily fighting at the moment. Feed upon the word because that strengthens you and it builds you up so that when you're in the midst of that next battle, which I guarantee you will come, you've got more that you can stand firmly on. On. So it's so important that we do that because Satan wants his way. And his way is to take you out of the picture and constantly render you powerless. That is his job. And he is always on his job. So let's consider Galatians. Turn with me there to Galatians 5. And we're going to look at verses 19 through 21. Yeah, we're going to spend a little time here, because this is interesting. Because this is something all of us can relate to. We can try to act like we can't, but we can. So Galatians 5, are you there? Okay. So if you look at it in the New King James Version, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, ooh, okay, drunkenness, revelries and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we look at it in the easy to read, it says the wrong things the sinful self does are clear. Committing sexual sin, is anybody wondering where we are? Oh, okay, good. Committing sexual sin, being morally bad, doing all kinds of shameful things, Worshiping false gods, taking part in witchcraft, hating people, very interesting. Causing trouble, being jealous, angry or selfish. Causing people to argue and divide into separate groups. Being filled with envy, getting drunk, having wild parties, and doing other things like this. I warn you now, as I warned you before, the people who do these things will not have a part in God's kingdom. Now the message (laughs) is cute. The message says it this way. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, I could go on. This isn't the first time I have warned you, you know. If you see your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Now the thing that I really love is, when we look at the very first verse, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the very first verse in the Amplified the qualifier says total irresponsibility lack of control so all of those things that we just read can totally exist in our lives and remember, this book, the Bible is written to whom? It is written to us as believers, so when you read all this stuff and it sounds so bad he's not, re- he's not writing it to unbelievers, he's writing it to us, the body of Christ, which means that all of these things pertain to things that we could go ahead and get ourselves involved in. So don't get to a point where you think, oh, that doesn't have anything to do with me. That has everything to do with us. So, how do you commit adultery without thinking about it? You have to think about it first, right? I mean, you don't just go jump into it, okay? if you're a man and you see some pretty young woman that you know you might think that you want to spend some time with but you got to get away with your wife okay, to meet with her you've got to arrange a place to meet (laughs) the strangest things come to me there was this song that came out years ago now I'm really dating myself but that's okay there's this song I don't know who did the cover but it's called Dark End of the Street (laughs) That's where we always meet. <laughs> the point being is you got to figure out a time and place if you're going to have adultery. You're not going to obviously go to your wife or husband and say, here, I'm going to have this adulterous affair. So you're planning it. The thoughts, ideas, and suggestions have to be there. Now, it's not just that we're going to put all this on married people because fornication is no better. Okay, Fornication is what happens when you are not married, but it's still the same situation. It is still immoral sex. Okay, and we live there. We can sit and act like we don't, but we're going to be authentic. We do. Now, you have to plot or plan to meet whoever this other man or woman is. It is not something that you do not think about. And then, on top of it, after you go ahead and make the mistake... Then what are you plagued with? You don't just get away with free lunch after that because then you gotta start thinking about AIDS or some other sexually transmitted disease that you may have contracted in this wonderful silly act that you did. Then on top of that, You have to wonder, male or female, if the condom really worked. They're not all 100% foolproof, okay? So you gotta make sure that you really were safe. You thought that you were being reasonably protective, but it's a possibility that you weren't, okay? And then, then that's gonna be a real problem. So you're sitting plagued with all of this on top of that. So here's the point. It's better for you to do what? Do some serious thinking Or otherwise you can put yourself into a mess that there's just, you know, there's no real easy recovery from. So, the scripture also mentions envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, but here's these words I want you to remember. And the like. Notice how it says, and the like. And the like lets you know that this is just a brief inventory of the kinds of things that are the works of the flesh. And all the works of the flesh, all of them, I don't care what they are, they're all activated by thoughts, Ideas and suggestions. And they all come to all of us. I don't care who we are, I don't care how wonderful and spiritually mature and seasoned and whatever word you want to throw out we are. We all have to deal with the thoughts, the ideas, and suggestions. And we can't keep them from coming. It's just how the world system was created and how it is. But we do have to marshal our thought life, we've gotta be on guard continuously to such an extent that we don't allow those things to take root and produce negative results. The words and the like also imply that there are many things that are just like them. All of them come into play through thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, and if you allow your mind to run wild, of course you're gonna end up being a victim. Here's something that's real important. And if I were to ask you this question, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to ask the question. What do you feel is most important, controlling the flesh or controlling the mind? Controlling the mind. Okay, how many people think controlling the flesh? How many people think controlling the mind? Okay, hands down. You really have been listening. That is a wonderful thing, yes, you're right. It is controlling the mind because what the flesh does is a, is a, is a direct result of the mind, okay? Because we can't get away from our thoughts. That's of course where the whole warfare between good and evil actually take place. And it's a warfare between should I do this or shouldn't I do this? The answer is no, don't do it, okay? Whenever you gotta sit and ask that much, don't do it. Every work of the flesh has its genesis in the mind. So you guys go to the head of the class. When a person does commit adultery, it tells us that there was warfare in the mind and unfortunately the person lost. There is no adultery without a thought. When a person is dominated by worry and depression. Now, again, this is my humble opinion. Got that? Everybody hears that. Okay. Okay a person can truly love God no question love him unequivocally but they have to also trust him enough to be able to rely on him alone and when you the only way to do that there's no shortcut to that either is you've got to feed upon the word the word has to get Into you, like, okay, everybody here knows, we're not going to go through a biology class, but everybody here knows that you need to have blood you know, going through your veins in order for you to function. Would everybody agree with that? Okay. Um, I can tell you unequivocally, your life is in your blood. Okay, if something is wrong in the blood, it manifests in other things in your body and your life and, and all the rest of it. So, you want to get the word of God to be so deep-seated in your being that it becomes your life force, that it becomes just as important, if not more so, than the blood that's running through your veins. When you do that, some of the things that plague you just won't stay there anymore, they, they just can't. But it takes time, and it's okay. And it, it, it's a personal, thing that I have because I happen to know that people do worry, Christians who love God, it's not that they don't, they truly do love him, but they do sometimes spend, you know, walking the floor at night because they're worried about different things. They are fearful about different things. They, They do slip into depression, that is real and it's not a place for us as believers to judge. It's a place for us as believers to truly intercede with our whole hearts, to help them over that hump. So, but the thing is, that's where the answer comes from, feeding on the word, because the word is, after all, health to all your flesh, and it also is the armor that keeps you being able to thwart the things that are coming from the enemy. The mind is always the key. That's the battleground, that's the arena. The thought life must be maintained in life changes to be positive in any area of life. It doesn't matter whatever it is that you're doing. I don't care whether it's your person, your personal life, whether it's your home, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your job, whether it's a business that you want to you know, acquire or a business that you may already be running, all of it. You've got to make sure that you are controlling your thought life because if it is not maintained properly, the ungodly lifestyle that you did once know will resurface. Think about that though you are a Christian, you haven't forgotten how to sin, have you? I mean, don't you remember some of those little sinful things you used to do? I mean, you know, come on. Some of us have to remember what it was like to go to the club and drop it like it's hot and know what it's like to have, you know, a gin fizz or a Hennessy and whatever you put in there. (laughs) Whatever. I mean, you know, people you, you can act like you don't because, you know, we come to church and we put on that mask, okay, for everybody to sit there and act like, oh, yes, I, I was born holy. I mean, come on. All right. We remember those things. Okay. But the point, the point is, though you're a Christian, you haven't forgotten how to sin. So those who used to be whoremongers... They haven't forgotten how to whoremonger, okay? The skills may be a little rusty, you know? And like for the ladies, for some of us, if you do want to drop it like it's hot, you may drop it and it might be hard to get it back up there. (laughs) Um, So the skills may be rusty. sorry, but let's face I'm authentic, okay? And that's just real. I know that that's not, you know, we're supposed to say all of these lofty things, but that's just real. You get the picture, okay? Let's just, <laughs> let's just face it. Um, and here's another thing. This is something everybody can relate to. Think about, I know everybody somewhere, even if you were the most poly, pure bed, wonderful little person ever that lived, you have somewhere heard some kind of profanity or curse word. Okay, good. So even if you never did it, somebody you know, you you may have heard it and you haven't forgotten how to strongly express yourself because sometimes you can express yourself strongly you know with the snapping of the neck and all the rest of that and you don't even have to say a curse word but you remember how to do all that okay every fact every as a fact every once in a while okay you might light up the air with some kind of choice words and then you have to repent because you know you weren't supposed to do it and as soon as we mention things like these Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions from the past pop up into your minds because you might get upset with somebody and you wanna tell them off and you automatically, the thoughts, it's like our minds are the most wonderfully created computer ever because you can remember where you used to wipe up the floor with somebody. I mean, it will come back to that image. It might have been 35 years ago, but you can see yourself doing it. It's like you're reliving it in your mind. I mean, am I telling the truth? Okay, good. All right, okay. We haven't forgotten any of that stuff. We all remember how to do the things that we used to do that weren't so nice. And if we're not careful, every once in a while, some of that same old stuff will come right on out and seep out. So don't tell me that you haven't wanted to curse someone out since you've been a Christian. Yeah. And if you don't marshal these thoughts and guard their processes, the enemy can come in with thoughts, ideas, and suggestions and tell you things like, and I know you've heard this before, you're not going to let anyone talk to you like that. You better give them a piece of your mind. How many people have heard that? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing of it is, we really cannot afford to spare even a tiny piece of our mind because to be quite frank we don't have that much of it to spare because, and, and that's not a negative confession let me qualify that it is a fact you can ask any qualified doctor We do not use 100% of our brain power. We really do not. It's a shame, but it's not our fault. It's just kind of like how things are right now. We don't, we only use a small percentage of it. So we can't afford to start giving pieces of it away. We need to hold on to every piece that we have. So, there is one important question that we should consider before we really reveal steps in using the armor to win the warfare that goes on within our minds so I'm going to ask you some things the first thing is now this is good when Satan fell from his lofty position among the angelic hosts where did his thoughts for dethroning God come from that's an interesting question don't you think I mean where did he I mean we know he gives us thoughts ideas and suggestions so where did his thought to do that come from Second point, or second question. We know he's the devourer, we know that, and we know that he walks around seeking whom he may devour. But who influenced him? Okay, you say himself, okay. Number three, how did he come up with the idea of overthrowing Almighty God? he didn't have any satan to plant thoughts ideas and suggestions in his mind he is the one and only so there was no satan to give him those thoughts ideas and suggestions so it leads us to wonder where did that come from now the answer to that question will teach us something valuable about ourselves now, it is obvious from our understanding of what happened to Eve and Judas and Ananias and Sapphira, all that, that we've studied, that their thoughts came directly from the devil himself. We all can agree with that, correct? Okay. But what evil force shot such an audacious concept into Satan's mind, and where was its origin? The answer, to some of you, you may just have it. To others, the answer is really surprising. Who influenced him? No one. No one influenced him. Then if no one influenced him, where did the thoughts come from? Now this is the kicker. They came from what he saw. Okay? Our thoughts are generated, and write this down if you're taking notes, Our thoughts are generated not only by the devil himself, but also by what we see and hear through our eye gates and ear gates. For us, Satan is the one behind that, but it's not always the thought that he plants in the mind. It can be thoughts that are generated by what we see, and what we hear. Perfect example, you can go to a movie and if it's not like a Disney movie, you know, you can even be a Disney depending, but you can go to a movie and all of a sudden you're a single person and you may have had sexual activity in your life before, but you are celibate and you've put that to bed, but you can go to some movies that can stir that situation up in your mind. Okay? Satan didn't do that. He will use it because he knows that it's happening, but you went to the movie, you saw it happening, and it was what, you're, what you heard and also what you saw. Uh, commercials. A woman selling a car. Better yet, a woman selling a truck a truck that you're supposed to use on all terrain, like, you know, you're gonna go out on the back 40 somewhere, you know, not really, and she's standing there with her boobs hanging out for everybody to see and little short Daisy Dukes on. What's that got to do with farming or a truck or anything? But it's got the man's attention, and before he knows it, he's going downtown to look for this truck, okay? I mean, it's just, but it's true. They use it in marketing, they know. Another thing is books. Okay, now, I like romance novels. But you got to be real careful. Some of this romance novels that they put out now, I wouldn't dare read. It is pure smut. It is pure filth. I'm still the old Hallmark person, you know, Janet Oak, you know, where you just assume that, oh, they saw each other across the room. That's about enough, okay? It, that, but they have some real filth that's out, but they're putting it on the shelves. I mean, young people could actually, not that they go to the library that much, but if they did, they could put it off the shel- pull it off the shelves and read it. That's not something that's helping them. And of course we have the famous computer which I appreciate, I use it daily. However, you've got to be careful because you can click the wrong button and you will have pornography flooding the screen. And we already know especially for our men we really have to pray for them because they are visual. We are not. They are. For them to see that kind of stuff, that's not helping them stay celibate, that's not helping them stay in line with the word the way that they ought. But here's what you gotta understand those things happen to us all the time they're available to come across our way all the time when that happens you now have helped Satan because you've given him something to then issue those thoughts ideas and suggestions and that's why Jesus said in two separate occasions to do two in two different ways he said take heed what you hear and take heed how you hear We all know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yes, but guess what? Faith cometh by hearing and whatever it is that you hear. So in other words, if you are hearing things and seeing things, but most importantly, if you're hearing things that are piquing you or giving you ideas for sexual immorality, The thoughts are going to come for that and that's what you're going to have faith for and then you're going to start reasoning with yourself that, oh, well, this is just for this little moment or this is just for this little time and that's how you get yourself in danger. So the point is, it's not just Satan coming up and randomly giving you thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. It's also the things that you are exposed to through your eye gates and through your ear gates and we will have to pick up next time. Praise God.
0: Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center New York, we believe that the word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media or you can give us a call at 212-749